everybody. Steve Witt here, and good to be here today on a bright and sunny day, at least where I am right now. Hope it is where you are. And I'm here with uh, Ashley Brogan and a guest. Yes, hello. Yes, she's here. <laughs> and a guest is with us. Uh, we've got uh, Chris Gore. a friend from all the way across the ocean. Chris Gore is here from New Zealand. So uh, we're going to talk about a number of things today. And uh, as you know, we're staying with the topic of the Word, flourishing in the Word of God. How much have we learned over this past, what, six weeks now? Nine weeks. We just crossed the 50th day, what, a week or so ago? Yeah. So we're somewhere somewhere in the 50s. And we're going to make it all the way to 365. Wait, is this year 366? Yes. Yeah, we'll be finishing okay, a day we have, early. Okay, we have a bonus day this yeah. year. We can celebrate. <laughs> Gives you time to get so caught up. So is there a Bible reading on that on that? No, leap day. no. Okay. Oh, we'll see you get yeah. a day off right at the end of the year <laughs> before we start next year's program. Anyway, we're going to talk about uh, a number of things. Chris is known for a number of things. And uh, one of them is nice shoes. He wears nice shoes. But the other one he's known for is healing. And uh, um, Randy Clark says he's one of the more proficient guys used in healing in North America. So we're glad to have him here. And uh, we really appreciate his ministry. Welcome, Chris. Thank you, Steve. It's great to be here. Yeah, did yeah. you get that accent? That sounds great, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it's great for a I podcast. I can't even mimic it, man. It's, uh, <laughs> uh, so, Chris, just start off a little bit. Like, what? How did you? What? Like, how did you get into healing? Like, what's your? Who was the first person that was healed? <laughs> and why did you think that they were going to where be was healed? The, where did the call begin? Yes, <laughs> I, I actually remember the first person that was healed and his name. And, uh, and quite accidentally, I bumped into him 10 years later, sharing a testimony about, or it was probably 15 years later, sharing a testimony about the first person that was healed. And one of the students in, uh, at the class jumped up and said, that man is actually in our ministry school oh, wow. in second wow. year. <laughs> and they brought him in from the following, from the room next door to me. So wow. Was, yeah, Odd little coincidence. Ended up at his house <laughs> yeah. for dinner that night. Oh, yeah. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Well, what, was the, what was the story of the healing? The story he had, uh, you know, I'd been ministering and praying for the sick for about 10 years and never seen anybody healed. And uh, when uh, in 2005... Wait, how do, how do you do that? Like, that's like being a mechanic and never fixing a car in 10 years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's, there's one thing that I am, and I've discovered that really, if you want to bear fruit that remains, it, re it requires tenaciousness. Yes. Mm. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that will say that they're called to be, you know, in the healing ministry... And my question is, is, that's awesome. When did you last minister to someone? Mm. And the answer is, well, I'm waiting for the gift. Oh, oh my. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, my. Well, 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 I haven't. And I'm like, well, you're probably not called then. Uh, wow. wow. So it wow. really does require that level of tenaciousness mm. of, like yes. the, of what happens is not, <clears throat> what you see is not, uh, the definition of your call, you know, where I do believe we're all called to minister to the sick. Yeah, all believers. It's not a pulpit ministry, though it is. You know what I mean? It's it's a, it's a saint ministry, and uh, it just requires. Uh, you know, I, I get my blows. I get a, a lot of blows, but that doesn't change who he is. Beautiful. What what was the pivot moment where you where you realized, okay, here we go. You know, this is I, I that guy was healed. I mean, but that was that. A moment where you felt like you kicked into a new flow, or well, like, or, yeah, or did was. you learn something? Yeah, that that made that moment possible. Um, I I think that the looking looking back is what made that moment possible. Mm -hmm. Is that 
Um, I, I do really do honestly believe that sometimes our lack of breakthrough is bad theology. Mm. And I had some bad theology in the way I was ministering to people. And uh, it was it was actually at a Randy Clark uh, healing school in, in 05 where um, <clears throat> I, I, something hit me. There's something that, that was said hit me. And I realized, oh, my gosh, I'm actually projecting upon people why they're not healed. Mm. And uh, <clears throat> wow. something shifted right there. And then. So were you preparing them for a non healing? I, I was well preparing them for a non healing, but also telling them why they weren't healed because it obviously wasn't my problem. <laughs> ah, Got to take it with the boss, God. <laughs> yeah. I told them that was their problem. Yeah. Oh, oh their problem. Yeah. So you become this uh, projector of guilt and condemnation. Yeah. And that's yeah. not That's not healing. Yeah. We don't see that in Jesus, and Jesus really is our role model. And everyone that came to him without exception, he healed them. He never told them why they weren't, obviously, because they always were. Mm-hmm. So he didn't have a reason to tell them why they weren't, because he always did. So, uh, so we're talking about a – yeah, this is really good, because this this fits into about every spiritual gift I think you have, anyone would have, is that there's got to be a change of mentality. And sometimes we're just – you know, we're just doing this and saying, well, God, you either do it or you don't do it, you know, and it's not, yeah. me, not my issue. And Yeah, and what happens, though, Steve, is when we get into that position, and this is a shift that happened in me probably 20 years ago, or actually a, a little longer than that, probably 25 years ago, is that I, I just ref, I refuse to to sweep the unanswers or the, the things I don't see under the car, under the carpet of God's sovereignty. And just say, oh, well, I guess God's sovereign. So, you know, I guess God didn't want that person to live. Or God didn't want that person healed. I I can't live like that. And uh, so to me, it's always been this quest of of continuing to push in as Jesus as as my role model, not my experience as my role model. Because if we begin to say, well, I guess God's sovereign, so God wanted that person didn't want that person healed, we really begin to water down the gospel. We wonder, we wonder why we don't see fruit. So you press in in when you're approaching ministry, and then, of course, when you're talking with the individual. And, like, is is there, you know, a lot of people think you got to get more intense or you got to yell more or you got to, <laughs> you know, whatever. You know, what is that shift that takes place that that is your approach ministry, your because I've watched you when you do it, your eyes are locked on them, you're narrow focused, you know, it's it's uh, it's a moment, you know, where you're really kind of in their world, helping them get this thing rearranged. Yeah, it's got to be, you know, when you're ministering to somebody, I do really believe that that they need to see that the, there's something really powerful in uh, my favorite miracle in the Bible of all miracles is Acts 3. Right, it's the story of the crippled man at Gate Beautiful, walking, leaping, praising Lord. Right, and uh, it's it's a, there's an interesting there's an interesting thing in that passage that most people miss. What is the first thing that Peter and John say to the crippled man at Gate Beautiful? Um, what do you want? No, see, the theologian got it wrong. <laughs> the theologian got it. I didn't wrong. say I knew I the Bible. We haven't gotten to that part in scripture. Yet. <laughs> That's right. The, the, f- the first thing that they say is, "Look at us. Hmm. Look at us." Right, and and then they say, "Sovereign God, have I none? But what I have, I give unto, uh, unto Thee." And there's something really powerful about 
knowing knowing who we are mm. and engaging that person in that place it's not this place of arrogance it's this place of absolute confidence because when the when the world sees us they should see Christ and when we know who we're carrying it's that look at us look at me and often so it's that point of engagement of ministering to people is is often people are, are, are drowning in all the reasons why they're not healed. A lot of people also are in such a way that they won't look at you. Right. You know, they're looking down, they're looking over. They're... Because of shame, because right. of guilt, because right. of condemnation, because of... Probably the man at the gate was the same way. Religion, all, yeah. all, the, all those kind of things. So it's really important to me to, you know, to, to engage with the person. And, and I'll often say, because it's, it's not hard to see that in someone, right? The guilt, the shame, the condemnation, right? You, of course you don't call that out. Right. Because that would be... More guilt and condemnation. More guilt and condemnation, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. It's like, gosh, yeah. you're drowning in guilt, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I can tell by about at it. <laughs> but there's something powerful, Steve, about saying, hey, look at, look look at me. Look at me. Look, look at me. Look at like my it. eyes. Look at my eyes. Yeah. And, and bringing that engagement with that person because when they see us and looking in our eyes, they should see Jesus looking out. Beautiful. How? Let me ask you this. Uh, regarding healing what what is your how important is the word in uh praying for people or and or receiving the miracle that you need in your life how important is the word the word of god yeah well the word of god is obviously important for you as the person that's ministering yeah. Is the word of God important for the person receiving? Well, of course it is, but uh, uh, many that we pray for have never read the word. Of course. Right? right? So so I put that caveat in there to say that, you know, if you're ministering to somebody outside of the church, you can still expect them to be healed, though they've never even perhaps opened a Bible. Yeah. Well, and the Bible says, you know, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So do you at times talk to them a minute about uh, maybe speaking the word over them or do you know what it says in the word or those kinds of things that that would uh, cause a rise i mean they've got hope in their life maybe they heard something that created faith or you they just heard your message and faith was stirring in them like maybe i could get healed like if you do you see that dynamic going on in people yeah and it, it is important it is an important dynamic of you don't necessarily sit there and just quote scripture to them right you know because that can often immediately yeah. raise up the religious thing you, right. you know um, but yet but yet the releasing of the word over them so i don't necessarily say you know the bible says right you know but the words always there of releasing the word to them do you know that god's heart for you is healing like did you know that god wants you healed you know i just i just shared the word mm. yeah so you're declaring it it's a declaration over them that's based obviously on the word of god absolutely yeah yeah yeah. I, I have a question, but it's actually more about the reading that we've done this week. And I wondered what your thoughts were since you're a healing guy. Um, we get this question a lot on the Flourish page on Facebook. And this week we've read in Mark 7 and in Mark 8. First in Mark 7, Jesus heals the deaf mute man. Um, he It says he leads him away from the crowd to a private spot. And then Jesus orders everyone to keep the miracle a secret and then in marks eight he goes and he prays for the blind man 
And it says he leads them, the blind man, away from the crowd, heals him, and then tells him not to tell anybody. What are your thoughts on the fact that Jesus very often in Scripture heals people but says don't? Last week we talked about— Says um, don't tell anyone. Yeah, he says don't tell anyone. Last week we talked about the difference between the, the legion and how he tells legion to go and tell people about the grace of the Lord. Uh, and actually, then, he wanted to go with Jesus. Yes. And yes. Jesus said, no, you need to go. Yeah, you need to go tell people. Give your testimony. And then he goes to heal Jairus' daughter right after and says, don't tell anyone. And we did bring up the difference in those two stories was the Decapolis, where the demon-possessed man was healed, was a different place than in Galilee. And so maybe there was a difference well, there. It was a non-Jewish area. So yeah. there wouldn't be the... Uh, they were their need was for salvation. We're in Jews. He was holding back a little bit because it was creating crowds. It was creating difficulty and challenge. So he was kind of holding. Uh, it appears at least yes. it was it was kind of a delaying for the unveiling of the Christ. And so the, like those two there. stories, there is a notable okay. There there's a difference in location. But what about all the other times where he tells them, yeah, don't. People constantly have this question of why, like the especially he, the power especially of the testimony. He knew because they it says that they they had to they told people they couldn't keep it in they they did they didn't listen to what he said he told them <laughs> not to. Some people are like, was he using reverse psychology? Like you know, don't tell anyone. They're like, no okay, one. yeah, you know. <laughs> but, right. but you know, to I'm going know. to now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but it. he had to have known that they were going to go. So then, what is the purpose in him saying, don't tell anyone? Yeah, I, I think that my take on that passage would be this, is that Jesus also says, don't cast your pill before the swine, mm. right? And and I often that I have seen is like the Bible also says that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, Yeah. right? What does the enemy want to do? He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to rob from you what you got. Yeah. And and there's been times where where there's two sides of this, right? So yeah. one side of it is obviously the power of the testimony. That's not, not what we're talking about today. Yeah. There's there's such power in, in sharing what God has done, you know, that releases faith into others, et cetera, et cetera, right? We're not yeah. talking about that today, right. right? We're talking, I'm talking about the other side of that equation is that, that we sometimes in the sharing of our testimony are casting our pearl before the swine. Wow. And I would like to propose is that well, literally in that one, there's three thousand swine <laughs> with just, legion. Just no, ran, but legion was told to go. It just tell ran people. over the cliff. Oh, that's right, he did. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But, yeah. but yet, you know, if a minister to you and you get healed, and yeah. let's just say that you're not that you're not too strong in your faith or whatever, and it's like, wow, man, was I was I really healed? You know, it's like, and that's the common reaction from people. Like, was I was I really healed? Like and then you walk out of here and you begin to hey, I I I just got I just got healed and I share it with someone that's weaker in the faith and they're oh, like yeah. oh, that's, the, that's just psychosomatic. That's that's a really that's good That's the point. bird stealing the seed that's planted in the ground, you know. Right. Oh, so, yeah. So I think that Jesus he releases like the seed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? And the healing's there. It's ours for us to grow in. But we walk out and we tell somebody, and it's, I just got healed. Oh, God, don't give me that. Oh, that's yeah. just psychosomatic. And it's like, your seed's just stolen. Wow. That's right. That's, so I yeah. think it's important that sometimes is that in our healing is that we don't cast it before the swine, 
because the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy it. He wants to rob, the bird wants to rob that seed, that it's important that we allow that seed to grow in us, mm. that we become strong and knowing that I really was healed. Yeah. I really was healed, that when you ta- when you face criticism, I'm like, oh, well, you really, it's like, yes, I was. This is amazing. It's yeah. actually been a month now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, versus two minutes, you know, you're healed yeah. for two minutes. And I've, I've got a whole series on, and I don't. I, I I really struggled for a long period of time to teach this, and I actually wrote about it in my new book uh, called Positioned, of uh, keeping you healing. And I don't like that title, keeping you healing. Yeah. So, but it's but it's in the book. It's, I call it stewarding your healing, right? Because yeah. there's nowhere in Scripture Jesus taught us how to keep our healing. But there's a lot about stewarding our healing. Well, you could you could say that him. I'm trying to think like when he heals the leper and then he tells to go, him to go to the temple and show the priest that you're cleansed. That's a, probably a a way of stewarding your healing, right? The Lord he did give an additional or to people when he said go and sin no more. That's a way of stewarding your healing too. Yeah, and and that when he, when he says to go show yourself to the priest, I mean, the, what was the purpose of them showing themselves to the priest? I mean, the priest was almost really like the, I guess we could almost say like the physician yeah, yeah. Com- confirmation. To, today, yeah. you, you know, and it's like you go show yourself to the priest. Why? Because it was the priest that would confirm it. It was the priest that would declare it over the person. Yeah. And it's like, yes, yes, you, yes. yes, you're healed. and But yet, who's the priest in the new covenant? We're taking a little, a little sidetrack here. Yeah. Well. Look, the theologian got it wrong again. <laughs> Who's the high priest? He, he wasn't read, listening. He, it's, it's morning time. He wasn't listening. <laughs> Who's the priest in the new covenant? The we whole, we are. Spirit. Oh, we are. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> we are. He's the high priest. Kings and priests. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We're the priests. So there's yes. something really powerful about when we get healed is declaring it over ourselves. Even if we are after healing ourselves, is declaring it over ourselves. Mm. Is that because we are the priest in the new covenant? Yeah. There's something powerful about speaking the word of God over our own lives. Yeah, there is. And that and that would give a justification then of a of a valid testimony in that culture. Yeah. Like, hey, I went to the doctor, did x-rays, I'm good. You yeah. Know? So people hearing that testimony go, have you been to the priest? Yeah, you know, that's true. I did. Yes, I went to the priest. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is why it's important to talk to people when you read scripture to have people you talk to, because I would never have thought of the scripture about the casting your pearl before swine. I would never have applied it in this situation. And so that was like, wow, that was good. <laughs> I, I, I've seen people lose their lose the healing over that because they've really mm-hmm. cast their pearl before the swine and the religion loves to stamp on it and say, I don't, I don't think so. You know, no, no, healing's not for today, whatever. And it's like, oh, and immediately that bird comes and that seed's stolen and we wonder why, you know, a a week later our pain's back. Yeah. Wow. You know, one thing attached to that, I don't want to get too far off base here. I'm not sure what our time is yet, but but, uh, I I think about health a lot, you know, as I get older. And, uh, you know, in American culture, in, in first century culture, they ate what they ate. And and for the most part, it was either bad food or it was good for them. <laughs> I mean, if it was stale or whatever, it was rotted. or But it was, they were not eating lots of, obviously, sweets and- Burger King. 
Burger King, <laughs> fast food, no fast food back then. <clears throat> Jesus picking figs off trees, you know, things like that. So their diet was the Mediterranean diet. I mean, it's like the thing that we idolize uh, of health now is the Mediterranean diet. So they were not getting, you know, a lot of the a lot of the healings that are needed now are imposed by the lifestyles we live. And, you know, you don't want to talk about that. I mean, because I'm a victim of it myself, you know, born in an age of where they created fast food. And so we grew up on it and it creates all kinds of health problems down the road. So I mean, what is the, you? I know you're a health person and you're also a healing person. So what is the responsibility you think in cultures like we are to tend to our own vessel, you know, to it, it's yes, we want prayer, but you know, the diabetes is rampant now because of uh, overweight. And how do we tackle this? This has got to be one of the big killers of Christians and non-Christians alike is just not having control to to be able to live a life that uh, is going to extend your life and do all the things that God's called you to do. I, I absolutely agree. And it's a great subject to to bring up. And it's something that I'm I am very passionate about is that, I mean, most of the diseases uh, in our lives today are because of, uh, of being overweight, you know, whether that be diabetes, whether that be blood pressure, whether that sure. be, uh, you know, even even cancer. I mean, there, there's a lot that is mm-hmm. attributed to being overweight. So I do really honestly believe that that we have a role of stewarding our lives as well. But, do, you but ever, yeah. do you ever talk about that? Like, preach, like, do you say, like, if you see someone who's, you, you can tell that, their lifestyle, whatever that is, is contributing to their problem. Jesus just healed you, but hey, go away and sin no more. I mean, it's kind of a yeah. It's, it's <laughs> go a, away and don't stay eat away from Burger King. <laughs> go away and Taco stop Bell no more. Food. No. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's honestly it's it's obviously a, a very sensitive subject. Yeah. Well, yes, right. It is. Now let's just that's say, why I'm asking. You let's that. say that somebody comes <laughs> so to me and trouble. they have they have diabetes. Yes. Right. And and it's obvious because of a lifestyle. Right. Right. They're overweight or whatever, you know, the way they eat and they're, you know, that they're, they're, they're a large person. Now, is it my role to say to them, uh, well, you wouldn't have that if you <laughs> cut your fast food out? See, then I just became I just became a minister of guilt and condemnation. Yeah. Right. right? And that's not my role. My role is not to tell them why they have the problem, right? My role is to minister life and health. Yes, but do you have a role after that? I, I'm, I'm getting to that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting to that, right. right? Speaking the truth in love. Yeah, speaking the truth in love. But I also don't know that it's really, like it can become a very offensible thing to say, all right, you know, you've just, you know, you've been healed, let's just say they go and get tested and they're like, oh, I was healed of diabetes, and I'm like, that's awesome. Now you need to get rid of your fat. You know, you need to lose that weight. And it's like they're all. I didn't offended. feel that was love the way you said that. Though. Right. <laughs> that's not exactly how I was saying it. <laughs> I can tell you're not a pastor. <laughs> but and that's and but there's something powerful about Stuart in our healing. And I, I I know many occasions of people that have been healed of diabetes. Uh, one in particular that I'm thinking of right now, where the where the lady was extremely high on the diabetes count, she got healed quite miraculously by tests, verified, 
and uh, and she went back to eating. Her last comment that I heard as she walked away was, "Man, I can go back to eating ice cream now." And is there something oh, anything wrong with ice cream? No, I had one the other night, but. You know, but you go back to eating that lifestyle, the exact lifestyle that puts you there, and there's something powerful about learning to steward your health. But yet, I find it hard in speaking on an individual level to somebody outside of relationship where I have in the past gone to people within relationship to say, hey, I'm really concerned about your health. You know, I'm really concerned. It's like you're only this age and, you know, you're obviously overweight and I'm speaking to you as a father and coming across more of that place as a heart of a father. And so what I do is that's why I write because I can write those things into a book a, a general, little easier yes. to make it more of a general approach as opposed to That's me good. telling you, hey, dude, you need to lose some weight. That's why you're sick. You know, you can expect more things if you don't get rid of this. Mm. And uh, so my my role as the individual, with mm. the individual, is to release the answer, right? Minister to them, release that place of hope, release that place of healing, but hope that they can actually read my book in more of a broad spectrum of understanding of the significance. And I've been on my own journey too. You know, I I have had pre-stage diabetes. I have been significantly overweight and um, even actually just uh, since... The, I even over the Christmas season, I yeah. or, uh, leading up to the few months before Christmas, I put on uh, a bit of weight. So the first of January, I'm like, it wasn't like quite the New Year's resolution. It just happened to be right. the day my daughter left town. It's like, oh, right, I need to get this sorted out. And I've dropped 15 pounds since the first of January this wow. year. Beautiful. Um, just to get. So myself. it is a maintenance thing, uh, you know. You're you're, and I and I think it's a little different than Bible days. There, you know, they had their diet. The diet was really pretty good you know and they they were probably not people suffering with that but they're suffering with leprosy and other things like that uh they didn't have they didn't have cars and bikes to get around (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah. cars you know electric scooters (laughs) or whatever there's a a lot of walking and (laughs) falling off the camel things like that (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was that kind of uh death you know premature death so but i do feel a lot of it is so uh it's i mean we could stop so much of sickness. And I'm talking to myself, you know, a couple of years ago, I went through the same thing Ashley did at the same time. We were, we were being dealt with about various things as a church. And one of it was the word of God, getting deeper into the word of God. So we, we did the daily um, word, which this podcast is going to flourish. And we use the term flourish because we wanted to, out of Psalm 1, we wanted to be a flourishing people, meditating, delighting in the Torah and the word of God and how that that brings just all around goodness of flourishing and so forth, you know, yeah. and health, even in revelation 22, where it says, and the leaves of the tree, which is in a reference to the garden were for the healing of the nation. So what we eat, what we participate in uh, brings healing. And so when I was, you know, when I went through my cancer battle and heart battle, both those times were, readjustment periods mm-hmm. to say and then two years ago you know i was i was not having any you know, physical problems or anything i was uh at a decent weight but i was at the high end of bmi my body mass index and i just thought i want to get it down lower and i could tell as i got serious about it brought it down into the range uh and i know you hear, i hear this from people all the time as it gets to be a little aggravating over time you know i feel so much better and i 
You know, it's just like birds are singing and the clouds are not have, <laughs> have gone away and the sun is, you know, I get it doesn't do that, but there is, there is a reality to less battles that we have to fight and more energy that we have. And in Philippians 2, it, it demonstrates the power of God to give us the will and the do. You know, we talk about yeah. that a lot around here that Holy Spirit can actually help us. It's a fruit of the Spirit to have self-control. So to have control over what we eat, like what do you recommend to people? Like if you're talking to someone and they're very open or they come up and initiate, Chris, you know, I just got healed of this or that or whatever that is obviously a, a relationship to their physical culture, their eating culture or whatever, or their environment that they live in or something um, <clears throat> like smoking or whatever that lung cancer. What do you, what do you tell them to do? Like, do you give them ideas or things to read or what's, what's your counsel to them? Uh, well, obviously they'd have to come out of a relationship. Yes. Right. right. So let's, they've just, come to let's you. just preface that first. No, they've come right? to you it's, and asked. It's out of a relationship. <laughs> yes. So, so I would probably share with them my story and the way that I have a specific style and the way that I eat. Right. And, uh, and, and I know that if I put that out there today, is there would be a lot of people that would, you know, kick back against that and say, well, that's not healthy anyway. I tried that and I put on weight. Right. right. So, so you got to have a grace for that. And so I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I'll tell you the way that I eat right now. I know that if you're listening today, you're going to, you might say, well, I've tried that and it didn't work. Right. <laughs> it's like my suggestion would be is that you have not tried it correctly of how it's meant to operate. Mm. So I eat keto. <clears throat> and when I say keto, most people... K-E-T-O. K-E-T-O. And most people would say, oh, that's high fat. And it's like, no, it's not high fat. It's healthy fat. Carnivore. Right? And it's not just carnivore. It's right. because carnivore is like, if you eat too much meat, meat turns the excess protein, not just meat, but excess protein turns to sugar and sugar's going to give you diabetes, hmm. right? So it's not, so a lot of people think that by eating keto, I can eat as much fat as I want and I can eat as much meat as I want. It's like, that is not reality. If you can, if you think that keto is eating as much fat as you want and eating as much um, <clears throat> uh, protein as you want, trust me, you will put on weight. And I think that 80% or more of people that eat keto are doing it wrong and, uh, and they wonder why they put on weight. It's like, well, of course, if you eat too much fat or too much meat, you are simply going to put on weight. So I eat, I actually go through seasons where I actually graph what I eat, right? I map it in an app. I know exactly what I'm eating and I can, uh, and I can manage it in the, uh, in the sense of knowing how much carbs I'm having, how much fat I'm having, how much, uh, you know, and keeping it. So for example, um, <clears throat> for protein, you should be having about one gram per kilo of weight. Right now, I, mean, I know this is in kilos, so if you're 80 kilos, that'd be 80 grams of protein a day, right? That would make it about right now. My fat, I'm having probably 60 grams of fat per day. So no, I can't eat unlimited meat because that's protein. You know, I don't eat unlimited fat because that's just going to blow me out as well. So, you know, so my advice would be is that you know, I'm not there advocating and pushing a protein diet, but uh, sorry, a keto diet, but I would be uh, helping them to understand the dangers of being overweight and helping them to perhaps begin by eliminating some things in your diet. You know, like mm. for sugar is a great start. I haven't had sugar for yeah, I, that's the 12, first thing. 12 years. That's uh, added sugars. Uh, 
You know, I mean, obviously, fruit has a lot of sugar and things like that. Uh, and I have very little fruit. Yeah, I think raspberries it, great, super low in sugar. Sure. First step would be eliminate sugar. Eliminate know, sugar and, as and much as you possibly can. I think if you lay out like a you know a six month one year plan or something and start walking into it, it it can make a difference in your life. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's really fascinating, and I I do think that that has to come in to some of what we're teaching and preaching and through books. I completely agree. What what book is what books do you specifically talk about that stuff or or can you recommend that? The the one book that I've often uh, shared with people is uh, it's called The Keto Zone. Okay. Uh, by um Dr um oh my gosh, I forgot his name now. Uh, but The Keto Zone and it's really it talks about the science of how your body works. Mhm. You know, so I often refer someone to that, and when they read that, the kind of the lights go on, and they're like, "Wow!" You know, it's like, "Man, I understand the science of how my body works now." Um, so that'd be the probably the one book I've bought for most people as a gift. You know, if they're really serious about it, I'm like, "Hey, I'll just post you a book. Why don't you just, why don't you just read this book, and uh, you know, just meditate on that, see what you think." And uh, as the lights go on, and they realize. What they're doing, what they're doing wrong. Again, I'm not pushing the keto diet. I don't really care how people eat. The question is, is there's a lot of stuff we are eating that we shouldn't be eating. Begin by eliminating that. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I was just looking at scripture this morning, preparing for the podcast here, since we weren't talking about a specific place in the Bible like we normally do. Uh, but I'm, I'm always drawn back to Psalm one. I'm fascinated with the Garden of Eden. And uh, and the gardens that are all throughout Scripture, which are inferences to the Garden of Eden. But, you know, blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the uh, counsel of the wicked or stands in the way of sinners or sits in the sky. But delight is in the law of the Lord and the law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season. And so it's going on and on, as we know. And then I was reading down... uh, where they will, um, hold on one second to, oh, here we go. Yeah, over to Psalm 92, tangential to that. Was the righteous flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon? Like this is a, this is the intent of heaven is that righteous people, which in Christ were righteous, mm-hmm. were the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Righteous people are meant to flourish. And that's in all ways. That's physical, solical whatever your spiritual and everything is so a palm tree and like a cedar in Lebanon. I don't know what a cedar in Lebanon looks like, but it sounds very strong, straight and strong. You know, uh, they are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. So now the house of the Lord is becoming is, is a garden or a forest. They're planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. I really like that verse. <laughs> and they are ever full. It's I like it funny. too, the older I'm getting. <laughs> they're, they're ever full of sap and green. <laughs> you need to look that up, Ashley. They're ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there's no unrighteousness in him. And I was reading that. And I just thought, what a powerful thing. It's it's the intent of the Lord that we grow old strong and that we're still got that sap and green, whatever it is in there. And then over, I was reading in Genesis again, where it said that when he planted the garden, he, uh, he, he says the Lord, who was the gardener himself, the Lord made all the trees, the kinds of trees grow out of the ground. And so there's this, there's this thing of a grounding or a foundation. So there's a foundation, trees that were pleasing to the eye, that's beauty. So the Lord gave us not only something that was foundational for life, 
but it was attractive and uh, and good for food. That's utilitarian, so it's practical. And these are the three corner or the three uh, stool legs uh, to architecture. Any architecture is that you're grounded, you have foundation, you have beauty in your life of some sort, and you're beholding beauty, and and you're in the life of beauty. And also you're eating, uh, you're getting things that are practical for your life. So it's just, it's just the God, it, it's the good counsel of a father saying, you know, let's work on our lives. Let's, by the power of the Holy Spirit, let's, let's begin to be people. Of, you're so intense. We're so like, some people get so driven, even in their spiritual walks, and so focused that things around them fall apart. Yeah. Families fall apart, bodies fall apart, things fall apart. And really, you get the rhythm of the garden, which is so inclusive in all ways in your life that you can be rested, you can be healthy, you can be uh, spiritual, feeling the vibe, the presence of God, feeling his voice, and yet, you know, um, having friends and being together and enjoying life. Yeah. What are, What's your thoughts on just flourishing? Like, what is... Yeah, I know you're from New Zealand. New Zealand's a very over here we'd see New Zealand as a very healthy place. You know, there's a lot of walking trails and there's, you know, mountains and ocean and uh, uh good food, you know, seafood and things like that. What's what's kind of the the keys to health as you see in the spiritual life that involves the holistic person? I, I think that one of the keys to health, I read the scripture this morning, uh, Steve, when you texted it to me. And the first thing that jumped out to me is it says, uh, the righteous flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon, right? Mm. The righteous. And that's the first thing that jumped out to me. And I, I do really believe that we will struggle to be a tree like that grows strong, that produces you know sap and old age and all those kind of things that the scripture goes on to say, mm. if we don't understand yet the very first word, the righteous. Mm. Mm. I, and the religion has a tendency to teach that you'll become righteous right. when you live right. 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 But that's not what the word says. No, Christ is your righteousness. Christ is your righteousness. Yes. You can't be any more righteous than you are right now. I am righteous. There might be things in my life that I'm working on, but that doesn't define whether I'm righteous or not. Mm. And if we're not careful, our righteousness comes by our works as opposed right. to by his works. And and if, if our righteousness comes by our works, then Christianity turns into the self-improvement program, right? Or, or put it another way, a sin management club, right? And we're, we're trying to manage our sin to become more like him, whereas I would take the view that I'm not trying to become more like him, I'm beholding what I already have. Mm. Right, so I'm. I, you're using the power of that, the I'm, force of righteousness. I'm using the force of righteousness to be that tree of Lebanon yes, because yes. I'm not becoming. I'm beholding who I already am yes. and who He tells me I already am. And you're being changed. And I've been changed. Yeah. So my word says, and I'm sure it's the same as your word because we, it's the Bible. <laughs> it says, "As He is, so are you to the world." So I have to ask myself, if as as he is, so am I, then what's he? And what's he? He's righteous. Yes. He's forgiven. He's loved. He's without sin. He's, we can go on, mm -hmm. right? Therefore, I am. So I behold 
who he says I am, I'm not trying to become, I'm beholding. That that is that that is like, in my opinion, is like the number one thing. And let's talk about American Christianity is the loss of understanding of the identity in Christ. That when you really know that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, not in your own filthy rags righteousness, in his righteousness, the Lord looks to you through Christ and sees you the same way as he sees Christ. That power of righteousness, you're you're unlimited, really. Uh, you move in faith, you do great things, but people go around. I was just listening to Jordan Peterson the other day, and he was explaining this to who was it he was talking to? Ben Shapiro, I think. Yeah. He was talking about how Jews and Christians and Protestants and Catholics all view this issue very differently. And Jordan Peterson said, you know, in the Christian faith, uh, non-Protestant or in Protestant Christian faith, uh, they believe, he says, there's others that vary, you know, within the Protestantism, but they view that Christ did the work for them so that they could be empowered now to accomplish what he asked them to do. And he was talking about how Catholics are a little different. Jews are a little different. Jews are very works-oriented. Even Catholics are very works-oriented. And uh, I was fascinating hearing, you know, he's like number top worldwide psychiatrist who's encountered various things recently that has changed his views. And you could tell that he was speaking something to Ben, who is Jewish, uh, and it, it lights are going on, you know, an understanding. And I think Christians that have been in the churches for 10, 20, 30 years still don't understand that. I forget it a lot of times. I'm thinking, yeah. wait, 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 I'm slipping out of who, who I really am in Christ, you know. Yeah, yeah. This uh, during the uh, I'll keep this piece brief because it's a longer story. But during uh, the COVID, right, right, directly before COVID, I uh, that one year I flew, I I spoke um, five hundred times. I wow. uh, had flown three hundred and fifty thousand miles and been to sixteen countries. Oh, goodness. and I, I I was just I I was just cooked. I mean, mm -hmm. when the lockdown happened, I'm like, oh, oh, I need this, <laughs> you know. But three days into the lockdown, I just broke down. I mean, I was just I was just beside myself. And I came out to my wife one morning and said, I think I'd rather be dead. I said, I can't I can't do four days of lockdown. I I cannot do it. Wow. And uh, and she said, I think you need to go and spend some time with Jesus. And I, oh, <laughs> was good, good advice from my wife. <laughs> my wife she's, get out of the house. <laughs> get out of the house. Go to your bedroom. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, I, I went to I went to my room and I was just go in that place room. of d despair of like God, you know, like I know I need this break, but why is it that I'm just struggling so much here that I can't even sit still for three days? You know, whereas I need at least a three days break, I need probably a three month break. And the Lord showed me a scripture in Romans five nineteen that says, "By one man's act of disobedience, all became sinners, and by one man's act of obedience, all may all may become righteous." And if we're not careful, our identity becomes in what we do, not who He says we are. Right. So, for example, there's two sides to this. We can take the bad side and say. Well, I, I'm righteous. Well, I think I am. I'm righteous until at least I sin next, right? But when I, I just sinned, I had a bad thought this morning or whatever, so therefore I must still be a sinner and I'm still dealing with that sinful nature in me. Part-time righteous. Right, part-time righteous, yes. <laughs> right? And But the, the other side of that is that our identity can become in what we do. 
okay, well, I, you know, I, I ministered today and I healed a couple of people today and, you know, and I read my Bible today and I, and I prayed today, so therefore I must be righteous, right? But yet neither of those is biblical. So I'm not a That's sinner good. because I sinned and I'm not righteous because I read my Bible or I'm not righteous because I prayed or healed the sick today. I am who he says I am. Right, And what does he say that you are as a believer is that you are the righteousness of Christ and righteousness came by his obedience, not by yours. Right, And when I begin to understand that and I begin to feast on that, I firmly begin to be established in my identity of truly understanding who I am and out of that, that helps me flourish in life. Mm. The Bible also says in Romans 5, it says, those that receive the abundance of grace and the gift my life verse, of yeah. righteousness Shall reign will rule and reign in life. Notice Through it says the gift of righteousness. <laughs> yes. right. Righteousness is a gift yeah. and there's so many believers that come to me when I share that verse and the lights go on because they've, they've been, I've been in church for 40 years and I never realized it was a gift. Mm. I always thought it was by my doing, by my works, or by what I did. Right. So we come back to the, the passage there in Psalm 1 about the uh, you know bearing fruit in old mm. age. I truly believe that it starts by understanding who we are that we are the righteousness of Christ. I cannot be any more righteous. Just because I did something wrong, it doesn't make me unrighteous. I'm still righteous. Like, I'd put it like this. Can a a righteous man, sorry, let me rephrase that. Can an unrighteous man do a righteous act? Mm. Of course. Does it make him righteous? Of course not. And in the same way, can a righteous man do an unrighteous act? Of course. It happens all the time. But does it make him unrighteous? No. He's still a righteous man. And if we're not careful, we get our identities mixed up because mm. our identities become in what we do as opposed to who we are. So where does healing start? It starts right there in the passage that you just shared in Psalm that the righteous, uh, I don't know, hang on, let me just uh, pull it up here quickly. It says, the righteous flourish like the palm tree yes. that grow like a cedar in Lebanon. We are righteous. There is nothing that I can do that makes me unrighteous. I am righteous because I'm righteous by his works, by his obedience. It's not by my obedience. It's by his obedience that I became righteous. Then life begins to flow into me, and I begin to live out of that place Mm -hmm. of uh, I begin to live out of the place of not what I do, but what he calls me, mm-hmm. right? Now, now Christianity suddenly doesn't become a sin management program anymore, right? Right, Because it's not. It's not a sin management program. I'm living out of the fullness of what, so I don't struggle with sin. Well, sin is not your master anymore. Sin is not my master. No. And many say, "Well, we're going to fight this. We're going to fight sin. You know, it's that I, until until we pass into eternity." Well, I I, I guess that uh, if we're not careful, then then uh, oh gosh, how gosh, I don't even know. I don't even know. Well, with some that's become a license for sin. You know that okay. Well, nothing could change if I sin. So. They, they, that would be licentiousness, you know. You get legalism and licentiousness are the two yeah. sides of the road. And, and death becomes your savior, right? Death's not my savior, right? I'm not going to be saved from sin when I get to heaven, right? 
I don't have that sinful nature right now. Hmm. So, so anybody that says, just like you're saying, well, we've got that license to sin, it's like, no, freedom is not freedom to, right. it's freedom from. I'm free from sin. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm not free to. That's a complete distortion of the gospel. Mm-hmm. I'm free from. Mm-hmm. I'm free from that. And when I begin to realize that I'm free from that, I'm free from the power of sin, I'm under grace, I'm living in the gift of righteousness, that causes me to rule and reign in life. I begin to rule and reign in life. I begin to flourish like the cedar on the banks of Lebanon, and health becomes my portion. And you helped me early to realize that I am a priest, and the priest, <laughs> <laughs> the priest, the high priest, actually. We are actually, all learning something. <laughs> I know, the high priest in the Old Testament, we'll probably learn this a couple of weeks from now in our reading, but uh, you know they put that on the turban of the priest, it says, holy to the Lord. So it's like from the beginning, the Lord wanted you to know that there's a declaration that you carry, and now that we are priests, there's a sense that we've been set aside, you know, uh, holiness, set aside, set apart to be holy. What we talked about, I think, two or three weeks ago. Yeah. Be holy as I am holy. Yeah. Hey, we I are think holy, our time right? Is up. Yes, we <laughs> are. As he is, so are you. That's yes. right. That's right. Be holy as I am holy. So get out there and uh, it's the declaration. Express your holiness. Yeah. You know, it's not Jesus coming to us and saying. Right. I am holy. You better be, otherwise I'm going to spank you. Yeah. I oh. mean, it's Jesus coming to us saying, "Because I'm holy, so are you." Yes. Yeah. It's the declaration. Let so it work good. down into your flesh and blood. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. Hey, we just enjoyed that podcast. Did we reach our time there, Ashley? Yep, we're good. All right. Now you didn't say so much. So why don't <laughs> no, you finish? No, I was up? taking a lot. <laughs> yeah, she, she's over here absorbing it all. I am. You I can am. finish this thing out. What do you think? What did you get from all of that? I mean, I I need to go home and get on a diet. <laughs> no, that's what you got. We, we we don't like diets. We like lifestyle. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. I need to yeah. change my lifestyle. I don't like yeah. diet because there's the word die in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I have discovered diets don't work. No, they you know, don't. It's a I, lifestyle. I need to go home and change my my lifestyle. Yeah, that's right. If we're on a if we're on a diet, we go on the diet until we get to the appropriate weight, and when we come off it, we don't know what to do, so we go back to eating how we are. That's true. So I tell people, don't try and lose weight. Just change your lifestyle. Just change your lifestyle. And you'll center into where you need to be. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, hey, I think that's all we have today. Yes. That's Thank you, Ashley, for that final yep, contribution. You're welcome. <laughs> hey, we're going to be back. This was a special podcast for Flourish. Our, come to our Facebook page. Look us up. Join us. in. Uh, hey, Ashley, how do they join now? Here we are almost 60 days in. If they want to be where we are, can they partner with anyone? How do they do that? Yeah, you can just email me, Ashley at BethelCleveland.com, and I'll get you hooked up. Ashley at BethelCleveland.com. She'll get you hooked up. You can join the other close to 800 people that are going through this together. Mm -hmm. We're a growing community. We're loving the Word of God. You have a great week. God bless. Bye.